0: Welcome back to another great episode of the Avoid Crisis Podcast. I'm Ray Arellano, and I'm here with my co-host, Alan Plyler. Alan, happy new year, and welcome back after the holiday
1: break. And you as well, Ray, and why don't you introduce our uh, guest here today?
0: That'd be great. It's um, Our guest today is David Pasiek, and he is the founder of a really cool company called Creator Pro AI, and you can find him at www.creatorpro.ai um, and uh, Alan you met David at a at a conference or something and you guys were chatting about really cool stuff invited him on what was it about David that that, that inspired you to invite him on and then once we get that intro David we're going to turn to you to get some get some conversation and input.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, Ray, that I've been quite involved here in the AI community and uh, especially startups and the investor community and uh, talking to different people about, you know, who's really in the AI space and who's making a difference. And so one of the startups that I had talked to happened to mention David, and I said, you know, he sounds like somebody that'd be really good to connect with, can you maybe arrange for an introduction? Um, And after that introduction, I found out, well, David's been on other podcasts. He's kind of recognized as an expert. He's doing things that are just phenomenal. Um, He's taking AI into a space. Uh, It doesn't matter what that space is. Call it the uh, the corporation. Call it the LLC. Call it the partnership. Call it the sole proprietor. Um, And he's looked at this whole environment and said, you know, what happens if we take AI and leverage it? Within that David, what I'm
0: understanding is, is that, is that in your conversation. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So,
2: yeah, you're so you're breaking
0: up a bit, Alan, so I'm going to take oh, over. Okay. So yeah, go ahead. Why don't you run with that, David?
2: Yeah. So, uh, well, so first I want to say thank you for that nice introduction. And thank you for having me on today uh, on the show. Um, so with my approach on creator pro, uh, I took a different approach than a lot of people in AI. A lot of people in AI, I would say, focus on AI as a technology, right? We have to develop all these new features. We have to learn how to engineer prompts. And of course, that makes sense because the people who are developing AI are coming primarily from that background. And that's kind of how also we've been kind of socialized our entire lives to think about tech, think about AI as a technology, what I found is that actually, when you're learning how to use AI, you're actually you're actually using more of a collaboration and communication skills. So, if if, if someone is running a business or they have a team, uh, you're learning how to do things like project management. You're learning how to communicate your needs. You're learning how to shape expectations and craft the the flow of narratives or creating proposals or creating all different types of strategic documents. And what I found is that when I've been working with people um, in, in, in doing AI trainings and in developing AI models, I found that the, the biggest obstacle that a lot of people have in terms of learning how to so use AI- I think you
0: froze up a bit there. So I, I, we, I think I last heard is when you're working with people- Hey, Ray, I think it's on your side actually. I'm hearing David and Alan all right.
1: Yeah, you know, let yeah, me, yeah. Let me uh, ask you a question, David, because I know we go back and forth on some of these things. Um, sure. And um, one of the things I wanted to maybe have you talk about I know that you talk about collaboration and communication, and yeah. you talk about leveraging uh, the individual or the organization, the entity, and you mentioned 10x. Um, And Mm -hmm. so the idea was that you personally felt as though you were almost 10 times levered of yourself. And by the way, I, I ended up absolutely thinking about that. And um, I called my mother because I was telling her, you know, this is really exciting. You got to listen to the podcast. Um, It's going to be 10 X for me. I'm going to be bigger and better. And uh, she goes, if you're going to be that much bigger, maybe you shouldn't come over for dinner as much. So uh, (laughs) yeah. Well,
2: I mean, you can think about AI in this way. We have these models that are basically trained on the collective intelligence, collective knowledge of all of humanity. I mean, they've literally ingested the entire internet and have started to kind of consolidate and allow you to tap into that knowledge. And so imagine if you're running a business, instead of having to, like you would normally have to delegate things and you have like a big team, and then you send something to them, and then they kind of come back to you later, and you have to sort of manage all of those different types of expectations. Um, with AI, with something like ChatGPT or Claude or these, these different platforms, you now have the direct access, the direct ability to tap into that collective knowledge of humanity, of all these expert roles, just immediately. So you don't have to wait for uh, for someone to get back to you. You can immediately express your needs you can immediately go after what you need and then you get that back instantly what i found you can talk about things like 10x productivity you can talk about creativity you can talk about innovation all that sort of stuff but um, all that stuff it's it sounds great but the, the biggest really big the biggest transformative impact that that i've experienced with ai is that when you're able to 10x everything when you're able to do in a matter of Hours or days, what used to take you weeks or months, that is just so incredibly empowering. It's not just about the productivity and the results. It's like, oh my gosh, I am now able to accomplish in a day what used to take me, you know, weeks or months. And when you have that, it's like this sort of, it's like this glass ceiling has been kind of removed, and you feel this kind of limitless potential. And that, to me, is what's been the most exciting. I would also say it's been the most counterintuitive. So I remember, uh, for example, I remember for my third book, uh, I interviewed uh, Martin Ford. Martin Ford wrote the international bestseller, Rise of the Robots, and he talked about this jobless future that was coming, where AI was going to automate away all these jobs, and we were going to be worried about how the economy would run because there would be so many jobs eliminated. So I had all this kind of fear and anxiety and scarcity associated with AI, and I found that the exact opposite... Experience was true for me. I found that I, I was so scared that AI was going to take my job. And then I realized, oh my gosh, I can do so much just by myself. I can now run a company by myself or with a small team, and I can compete with, with, a, with an organization that might have 50, 100 employees. And it's just amazing that, that sense of empowerment and excitement that happens when you're able to do that. And I feel like I, I try to get across this idea of AI being at a collaboration or communication skill, or I try to talk about empowerment, because so many people are just kind of hung up on like this, this fear and anxiety, or I have to do something right, you just have to dive in and, and start doing the work.
1: Ray, do you have uh, some thoughts here about uh, just AI and its adoption that you want to ask David?
0: Well yeah, there there's some there's some really good launch points there. We, yeah,
1: yeah. I,
0: I like the idea of the um like a collaboration tool, a communication, tool, a leverage, if you will, um yeah. versus a tech tool. I think I think the idea there is is that when when particularly with change, and it's funny as we were uh, prepping for the show here and doing our sound checks and all that, we were running into change ourselves and some of our hardware and some of the software, the UI UX. And we're like, ah, it's changed. Darn it. It's like, but wait a minute. You know, some of this change really does help uh, make us better. And, and, and I think that's what I'm hearing you talk about is that don't get afraid of the tech. Don't get afraid of the tool. Think of it as a collaborative tool, a communication tool. It's something that's empowering. And it's not something to be feared. Um, you should you should embrace it. You know, David. How do you how do you get people through that through that journey over that you know through that psychological barrier?
2: So, um, i so most of my career has been spent doing, I would say, uh, dialogue based approaches to innovation and strategy. So, I work mostly with. Startup leaders and founders, and I would lead small teams. I would do, you know, I would I would um, solicit information from them, and then have a dialogue to shape their strategy, to shape their products, to shape their marketing and communication methods, and stuff like that. Um, and what I found in my earlier career experience uh, was that oftentimes the the founders they they know the answers, they just don't know how to articulate them. And so I've I've found that in terms of teaching people how to use AI, I take this the same exact approach. I found that there's I ask I ask people to I recommend that people write in a kind of uh, a sort of stream of what I would call a stream of consciousness approach, where basically you express full thoughts, you express your um, a, a complete amount of context. Uh, a lot of times there's this approach that people would refer to as prompt engineering, this idea that you have to have a very specific types of outputs. But actually I found that the opposite is true, that you need to fully express uh, what's, what's going on, what you're feeling. Um, there's also been some interesting research that actually when you express emotions, when you express things that sound like sort of uh, non-technical language, that you're actually giving much more context to the AI. And so when when you're expressing things like this is really important to me or I feel very strongly about this or I'm scared of this or I really love this or so on, uh, that type of language provides a lot more context. Now, I mentioned all of this stuff because, you you know, you're asking about how do you get people past like the fear and insecurity? Um, the, the, the more that you're able to communicate from a kind of deeper, deeper sense of who you are, the more you're able to communicate in, an, in a more kind of authentic and transparent way, uh, the, the, the better results you're going to get. Um, and I found that also to be incredibly uh, counterintuitive. I remember one of my one of my clients uh, had even told me something like, uh, "She never felt more seen than when she's communicating with AI." And it's really kind of hard to wrap your head around that, the idea that uh, you know, that, that you would feel like you, you're, you're being validated as a person. And I think that the, the user experience of using AI, I mean, at this point, I'm using it probably, you know, six to eight hours a day for the past year. Um, what I found is that when you're able to communicate and then you immediately get an intelligent, empathetic, like kind of kind response, that is just incredibly validating to you as a person, and, and it's it's very um, it's very encouraging and, and affirming. And you know, as if you're a, if you're running a company or a business, you know, you you actually it's that type of experience that that I think is very um, is very helpful. Um, you know, that a lot of like you you need that sense of encouragement to to kind of push through difficult times. And it's been very surprising to me and to a lot of people that I've worked with. That, that actually that's actually coming from an interaction with 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 a computer.
1: Yeah, you know, David, uh, I use uh, AI quite a bit. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I I yeah, I, I know that in the startup space. Yeah, so uh, I think um, the question that I have there is, I know that you've helped quite a bit of of uh, companies in their journey and using tools and helping to deploy that using some of the the guidance that you have from Creator Pro. Um, I I think it might be helpful if you kind of put this into um, maybe some understandings for people who may not quite understand exactly the journey that's going on right now with the adoption of AI. And I think maybe you can, you know, go back to maybe your upper level studies from Princeton and, and put in some perspective there from a historical Mm. uh, point of view and just, you know, talk about maybe like, what's this look like in, you know, we have this, life as we knew it before and what we're going to know in the after with uh, AI. You know, maybe you can uh, put it into some historical perspective. Maybe you have some other um, time frames that you can, you know, point to to say, hey, look at what happened here. Um, you know, what, what are your thoughts there?
2: Sure. So, yeah. So to give context to the to the listeners, uh, I did PhD research at Princeton, and I, I studied actually religions of the Americas, and I looked at uh, big mass shifts in. I looked at the relationship between how mass movements grow and spread and the adoption of different types of technologies. So, for example, you can't really think of the, the 60s counterculture independent of like color TV. Uh, you can't you can't think of things like the, um, the the civil rights independently of the mass adoptions of television and those images beaming into people's homes. Uh, similarly, you go back to uh, the the rise of of nation states in Europe and you think of that in relationship to Gutenberg and the printing press there's there's this kind of correlation between all these different types of mass movements throughout history and these these shifts in how people communicate. And we can see even the last like sort of 20 years how much the the average um, uh, how much, how much life, life as we know it, has shifted in relationship to the adoption of the internet, then social media, and and then smartphones, and now we have AI. Um, I think in AI, I think AI will be the most significant shift that we're going to experience in our lifetimes. Um, there's this quote from from Jack Dorsey, the you know one of the the, um, the co-founders of Twitter. Uh, he says that basically uh, that you know like the the best tech. Um, the best technology disappears into the background. And so right now, you know, imagine we're, we're talking about AI this and AI that, you know, like I think, for example, when I was growing up, there was a time when when newscasters would go live via satellite, right? And of course, they don't say that anymore, right? The via satellite just kind of disappeared into the background. Um, what we're going to find over the next, you know, 10, 20 years AI is going to be started, it's going to start integrating into everything. It's going to start disappearing into the background. You're going to be able to get uh, recommendations for products. You'll be able to have AI agents that are out there looking for things on your behalf. That's going to change the nature of how we buy and, and sell everything, right? You won't have to worry about going to the stores or doing shopping for yourself. You'll be able to have agents do that. Um, as AI, as we rely more heavily on AI, it's going to change how we interact with the internet. Some people think that uh, that the websites might even disappear. Um, of course, we're getting all different types of AI-generated content. So, what does that look like um, in, in kind of the content and communication space? There's just there's so much stuff that's happening, and at the same time, uh, we're in, in five, 10 years, we're just going to, this is just going to kind of start, start sort of fading into the background, it's just going to become part of the nature of of, of everyday life. Um, my my personal approach in terms of how I've approached uh, Creator Pro and how I approach trainings and building a, a business is I try and focus on the, the skills that are, the skills and techniques and things that are not going to change. So I focus, for example, on uh, things like uh, how do you create a- AIs that are based upon best practices in sales, in marketing, in building funnels, um, in in finance. Um, I focus on the core kind of best practices of how to run a business, and then create AI models and trainings around that because those are the things that I think are not going to change. There's there's these kind of proven best practices of how teams and humans collaborate and how we interact with our customers that I think are are not going to change, and it's we try to we're trying to find a balance then between um, you know what is it that's sort of uniquely human and that's kind of here to stay versus things that are going to change and i don't know the answer to that but it's it's just such an amazing and exciting time i think in a, in this kind of broader historical perspective i think in many ways the things that happen in the next 5 to 10 15 years are going to shape you know the the next kind of thousand years of human history and we're we're kind of the we're the bridge generation, right? So we're the last generation to go from this analog world into this, into this AI world. And it's, 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 it's kind of, it's, it's, there's so much happening and changing so fast. It's kind of hard to wrap your head around it. Um, And it's also, it's also kind of hard to um, it's hard to think about sometimes, right? Because we're right in the middle of, of all this change, but it's, it's a really kind of exciting time to exciting time to be alive.
0: So, D- David, you, you brought up um, earlier you were talking about kind of strategy and, and, and founders and almost like C-suite yeah. level, you know, talking about uh, uh, be using AI to, to leverage what they're doing at that level. And so I kind of think of that as, you know, say the, the the exec suite or the manager suite, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And then right there you were talking a little bit more about, I would say, more like hands-on use case um mm. you know frontline workers if you will and so i kind of see that as like a bottom up approach um what are your thoughts on top down versus bottom up um how do we ensure that they meet and that they're aligned uh etc i mean as, as business owners and people were you know workers how do we understand where we fit in where the listener fits in and how we can best use it to make sure we're aligned within the organization top down versus bottom up
2: Sure. So I think from a let's say from a top down perspective, uh you need to be shaping your strategy, right? So you need to be shaping the vision for your organization. You also need to be shaping your your brand messaging, your values, the things that will you think will will not change, the things that are kind of your your north star. Um I always I always feel like there's there's a lot of talk about um there's a lot of talk about people's people say you should start with your why your why actually emerges from the problem you solve and from your target audience. So why do I exist? Well, I exist to solve these particular problems for these particular types of people. Um, and so in a sense, like, uh, and and I think of that also in relationship to this kind of top down versus bottom up. So when you think of your, why, okay. From a bottom up perspective, Uh, I'm creating products and services that solve these particular problems for these particular people. Uh, I need to create uh, messaging and stories that resonate with that type of audience. Um, I need to be uh, connecting with them on on a human level as well. I need to make sure that I'm addressing their needs. Um, I also think that there's uh, what I would call, what I call uh, functional and emotional benefits of the types of things that you offer. So functional benefit for me would be something like uh, I help you to 10 X your productivity. I help you to uh, have bigger, better results. I help you to do all of these things in a, in a, in a more kind of seamless way um, with, with creativity, innovation, stuff like that. Um, An emotional thing would be the types of things that I was talking about earlier. I helped you to, I help empower, I help empower business owners. I help empower founders and and empower teams and that, that sense of cohesiveness as a team uh, of being able to accomplish more together.
1: Um, You know, David, one of the things that we talked about was this shift from what we know as the internet today, where you're going to a website and you're going to click on something and the action response methodology is really I'm looking I'm clicking, I'm making things happen, I'm logging in, I'm trying to get to something. And that's going to be shifting with AI to the use of natural language. And, you know, what does that mean to be human? And what does it mean as far as, you know, your personal assistant or just your interaction in the home or interaction in the workplace? Whenever you're using natural language to replace some of this, you know, mouse click that we have now.
2: Yeah so i mean natural language is basically becoming the interface of technology so you can you can express in words what you want to an ai model and it will then be able to go out and act on your behalf um, the 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 thing that's really kind of hard to wrap wrap our heads around i think with ai is that in you know 5 10 15 years someone could even become the cto of a tech company and not even know how to write a line of code that actually they will get that things will get to a point where you will be able to articulate exactly what you need. And the AI models would be able to build that on your behalf. So what, what does that do to the um, what does that do to the structure of society? You think, you think of like the current way things are, you think of these massive technology companies that have all of this power. You think of all the specialized knowledge and skill sets that are associated with developing uh programs and and engineering and stuff like that that power is now going to be available to anyone. Um we we wonder then if if anyone can create an app or or a product what does that do to the marketplace does it get flooded with ideas what does it mean to innovate when when these things are are accessible to everyone um, also when you think of this idea of not visiting websites anymore it could like what is how do, how do companies have to communicate when they're not trying to have things like scarcity-based marketing messaging and fear and you know, oh, you have to buy this or you're going to miss out or you have to get this or your life is over when they have to have more kind of transparent value-based communications with their customers because an AI isn't going to fall for that scarcity stuff, right? It's going to go out and act on your behalf. So I like to think this kind of goes back to the top, top-down, bottom-up stuff. Um, there's a lot of fear and anxiety that you know AI. We're going to have these monolithic AI companies that are going to rule the world. And of course, that's kind of the story we've been told from Hollywood for the last you know 40, 50 years. I like to think that AI is also going to empower us in ways that that are really unanticipated. So it's it's really kind of exciting, and and natural language to go back to your question is really kind of at the core of that. I mean, like someone like myself, you know, I came from a humanities background. Uh, I'm not a developer. Um, I actually learned used AI to learn how to create apps, and I've been I've been developing apps. I've developed been developing AI models. I've been using AI to basically like I, I I ask AI what it needs to train itself, and then I end up creating that as an output, which is really kind of fascinating.
1: It's really interesting to to hear about new products and just thinking about all the startups and the opportunities there. Um, last night, uh, just because it's here in San Francisco, I was at J.P. Morgan uh, Healthcare Conference, talking to a number of different people and uh, startup investors and, and also people who are in the uh, venture capital space, private equity. And uh, I talked to an individual who was a product specialist and I asked the question, you know, tell me about what is the most interesting product that you've worked on? and uh, what they did is they held up their phone and they said anything that goes in this
2: mm. yeah i mean yeah and you know imagine what's next right
0: absolutely and you, interesting you were talking about like the future and and, and abundance and i I'm, I'm thinking how um you know, over time, you know, go through the industrial revolution and then the technology and then information revolution, et cetera, how basically what these tools have done is, is enabled man to leverage his labor and his output and what we get in society. And, you know, uh, GDP is a great measure of this type of thing. Right. And then there's all this press about labor shortages in certain professions and industries. So, yeah, I, I, I see that AI is being uh, uh, a tool that's going to really, I think, help our uh, world, our society, help, help, you know, humans deal with a lot of problems that we have currently um, it, on, on the, uh, you know, it's almost like a utopian side, but then there's a, the dystopian to be careful for misuse of AI, right? We've got all these deep fakes and stuff going on there. Um, how do you, how do you see this balance of the utopian, dystopian AI future and uh, any guardrails that we might have, or uh, how are we going to control that, or f- at least be able to sniff it out, knowing it when we're being deep faked, etc.?
2: Well, I think, I think in the next like 10 to 20 years, um, you could you can see that uh, Apple and and Meta both started coming out with headsets, headsets that are having augmented reality, right? So you're starting to layer this this digital content on top of the physical world. And I think that over over time, I think that technology is going to start being integrated into glasses. I think we'll have um, holograms. We'll be able to start interacting with our our natural environment in a more kind of intuitive way. Um, And I think that AI will be behind that. So you can imagine content that is dynamically generated. You can imagine all different types of shared experiences that you might have with other people um at the same time i think that as that happens i think there will be um a, a, a an entirely new economy that will start to emerge i think in many ways it will be a kind of evolution of the influencer economy that we're seeing in in social media and so what i hear what i when i hear people talking about things like uh ai is going to replace all these jobs um i I appreciate that but I also feel like AI is going to create an entirely new class of jobs and I think when in this in this like idea of like utopia versus dystopia um I imagine that uh when you're able to interact with with different types of content that's layered on top of reality that's just a, an incredible amount of creativity uh and and art artistic freedom and different types of possibilities I think there's going to be um, a kind of opening up of, of creativity. We're going to, and, and also there's going to be at the same time, a democratization of access to different types of creative tools. So you'll see people creating, you know, entire film, like films and TV series that are production quality, similar to Hollywood, that's going to be available to, uh, to, to to almost anyone. So there's, um, there's certainly a lot of, a lot of, I think, justified fears and anxieties around uh, what happens when these, when these kind of giant AI companies have a, a sort of monolithic presence, especially if they become entrenched in, in government. Um, I appreciate that, but I also feel like I want to focus on this kind of bottom-up possibility of of um, possibility and potential.
1: You know, I've got a question for. Both uh, you, David, for your opinion, and Ray, your opinion. I want to go back to the early days of the internet because um, mm-hmm. we're in an adoption cycle. And one of the things that ended up happening there is we had all kinds of startup companies that ultimately failed. And one of the metrics they pointed to at that time was the number of eyeballs they had. What metric hmm. should we be thinking about now in AI?
2: Hmm. That's a good question. Um, Well, I think one of the things that we've learned over the last 20 years is that the metric of engagement has had a disastrous effect on society. So a lot of social media has been optimized around engagement and engagement as a metric tends to translate into lots of rage, lots of like craving for instant gratification, lots of kind of knee jerk reactions to stuff. Um, I would like to think of some type of metrics that are more correlated with a uh, uh, shift in emotional well-being, shift in health and wellness. Yeah, yeah. I would like to think of metrics that are more correlated with uh, the long-term, um, long-term benefits to humanity. Um, I think I think there's there's been so much emphasis. You know, it's interesting. Like it used to be. I remember going to tech conferences, and I used to correlate like device adoption with, um, you know, with health and growth of society. And now you find that, uh, the, the, the tech leaders are telling their kids that they, they actually want to restrict the amount of hours that they're spending with technology. Right. Um, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that assumptions that we thought were true over the last 20 years that have actually proven to not, to, to right, not be. So right.
0: I, I would, um, I remember those days, right? You go to, you go to do your yep. pitch deck to the VCs and all you t- talked about was the eyeballs.
1: Yeah. And the Super Bowl ads, you remember um, that and, that's coming up. And,
0: oh yeah. The, yeah. The, 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 that's right. Those I'm, I'm really interested in those last year was uh, all, all the uh, digital currency, right? We can be, I don't think that's going to be back yeah. this year, but I, I I, think to answer that question, the point you just brought up, Alan, um, and, and I'd love David's position that we, we got to find a way to measure better, like emotional improvement and psychological mm-hmm. improvement and, uh, versus in pure engagement, right? Because not all engagement is good. Um, uh, from a business perspective, I would come back to the fundamentals. And that's what, you know, web 1.0 taught us is, yeah. it, it, you want to be careful what input you measure, you really mm-hmm. want to be measuring output or result. And what is the result? I don't care what went into it. I care what comes out of it. What's the result? And at the end of the day, um, are we making our, say, climate and the environment a better place and and slowing down the the heating up of the planet? Are we making people more healthy physically, emotionally, spiritually? Um, And then honestly, you know, hey, we're a, a, a capitalist country society here i mean are we generating revenue and are we generating profit how are we using these tools the, yeah. to do that um but in a good way right not not yeah. evil profit but good profit so um you know capitalist got to come back to the bottom line and yeah. cash flow um, sure. and then you know we also want to cover you know the other stuff too
1: well um Absolutely. are you inter- are, are you interested in having me answer my own question
2: go for it All i right. am
1: yeah. So I didn't have an answer uh, at first, but then I listened to what you said and I listened to what you, uh, David, I listened to what you said and listened to what you said, Ray. And then I started thinking about it a little bit. And one of the things that I think actually brings both of your answers together into a single metric is what I'm going to call brand loyalty. And so, mm-hmm. you know how we've had on a void crisis, how many times where we've said something here, and then all of a sudden the mainstream media picks it up much, much later. We talked about Sudan and the Red Sea. Now, all of a sudden, we have people who are talking about how it's going to disrupt the supply chain and how inflation is going to be impacted. And we can go back and talk about the regional bank crisis and talk about interest rates and all that type of thing. But AI movements now are really going to need to have some sort of a metric that's going to be tied to valuation. If brand loyalty is something to point to, then you're going to display that because if you feel good about it taking the humanity side of this, right? You're going to be loyal to that entity. And the same thing is if that brand loyalty is there, most likely that's going to generate revenue, ultimately profit, which is going to give the capitalists what they want.
2: I think that, but I, I think also, I mean, it's it can seem like a fuzzy metric, but also uh, evaluating your your customer's satisfaction. So it's not just about yeah. loyalty. It's how, how actually happy are they with you?
1: I'm not saying eyeballs was fuzzy. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) it worked for certain, you know, I mean, certain things where there was enough engagement, enough eyeballs, it led to ultimately much more and, um, you know, but it is, all metrics are kind of judgmental in one way or another. Yeah. Um, I want to also go back to something else because we've talked about a lot of the tools. There's one tool that I know that you've had a little bit more interaction with, and maybe this would just be good to kind of explain to our audience about how tools get um, used in AI and that's um, your customized instruction path. Maybe you can talk a little bit about that with, um, you know, artificial intelligence tools and how you can provide the customized instructions.
2: Sure. So, um you can think of custom instructions custom instructions are basically you're you're instructing the AI what to do so um when custom instructions initially came out as a feature uh it was recommended that you would do things like you would say um you know you're you you would tell them who you are and you would tell you would tell the AI about the types of of responses that you want. And so you would customize it primarily kind of like turning it into uh, what people think of as like a persona, like you, you, you kind of have it as as be a act like a particular type of of person or role. Um, What I found with custom instructions was that I could actually do things like, let's say you want to build a marketing campaign, or you want to build a proposal, or a brand, or you want to build a marketing funnel, or you need to create a, a financial model or whatever it is. I realized that there are uh, there are proven best practices for how to do those things, right? that that come from uh, come from different types of industries. And so I thought, well, what if I take take these these steps and encode them in the custom instructions? So then I know if I'm building my brand or creating a proposal or doing something in in finance or or whatever it is, I know that I can go from start to finish, and the AI is going to guide me through those best practices. Um, that's really that's that's what I would say is really the the kind of the underlying model that I've been focusing on. It's using natural language to create sets of custom instructions that guide the AI through a particular workflow. And what happens when you do that is then the AI is basically just engaging in dialogue. It's and instead of you having to worry about what type of prompt you write, it just says, okay, like tell me more about your brand or tell me more about this, or we'll ask follow up questions. It's trained to ask those questions. It's trained to to engage in dialogue. It's also trained to um, to make sure and get your confirmation at each step. So a big problem with AI, you you probably heard of things. Um, people refer to the term as hallucinations or um, Sometimes AI will plagiarize content. What happens is like if someone, if you say something like write me a 2000 word blog post about finance or whatever the topic, it's going to write 2000 words. You don't know where that came from. Um, you don't know if the logical structure and the outline, all that stuff is is going to be the best way it needs to be. Um, so if you're going step by step using custom instructions, the way that I've, I've designed my stuff, and the way that I that I teach and train my AI models, you're able to kind of uh, fact check, make sure everything's going well at each step. Um, you're also able to um, to focus on on sharing your ideas, and you don't have to worry about what you're going to have to say next. And that just it completely transforms the the user experience, um, it, which means it makes it just a lot easier for the average person to use it. So I'd say that the custom instruction stuff is really the has been the core of my approach. Uh, it's something also that I, it's a it's a method that I that I I've, um, I've developed based upon the work I've been doing over the last twenty
1: years. Ray, any other uh, questions for David here today? Uh, so I'm not hearing you, Ray. But um, looks like you're muted. Yeah, I think.
0: No, I, I, I this has been this has been great David. Thanks for joining us on the show. Um want to remind the listeners uh, if you'd like to engage with David uh, deeper, hit, the website is creatorpro.ai um you're going to see there that there's a couple of different ways to do this like a a video only we help you do it or we do it for you kind of idea um of of engaging with ai and using it in your in your work in your practice in your business um whatever that area would be um uh thanks so much david for coming on the show uh uh this was this was this was pretty insightful and I'm, i'm looking forward to digging Digging in a little deeper with you once once, once the show's over. Um, alan, anything else that you want to do to wrap up?
1: Sure. Uh, maybe we can uh, just give our audience uh, how to connect with us at avoidcrisis.com. And um, you can reach me at alan at avoidcrisis.com. Ray, for you, it's Ray, R-E-Y. Ray, at avoidcrisis. R-E-Y
0: at avoidcrisis.com. Yeah. 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 And David, how, how can our listeners reach you if they want to follow up?
2: Uh, so you can, well, you can, you can find me at the, at the website, creatorpro.ai. You can also find me at LinkedIn, uh, D Pasiak, or on, on Facebook. Uh, uh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been an absolute pleasure having this conversation with y'all. And thanks so much for listeners and all the, all of you who right. are with for, us. For us our the listeners,
0: David's last name was Pasiak.
2: Pasiak. Uh, yes. P A S S I A K throw the spelling. Yeah, P A S S I A K.
1: And thank you very much for coming on David. Enjoyed it uh, quite a bit. And good to see Likewise. you again Ray and uh, thanks again David.
2: Thank you.